My name is Angela Petrilli. I'm a guitarist in Los Angeles, California, and you are listening to Talking Blues. How did guitar come into your life? My, I, I come from a musical, artistic family, and my. Can you so can you elaborate on that? What what makes your family musical and artistic? Sure, my so my great grandfather, his name was Oreste Bertoya, and he was an all around musician. He wrote music. He played multiple instruments, and his brother Harry Bertoya, he was a. He was an artist, a mid-century modern artist. He designed furniture and chairs and he just all sorts of art, jewelry, um, sound sculptures. They're called synambients. So it's it's in the blood. <laughs> and my mom plays a little bit of guitar as well. So I remember as a kid, um, you know, sitting around the house and she would pick up this big guild guitar and, and, and play. And I remember watching her play as a kid. I mean, I'm talking three or four years old and watching her play and going, gosh, I could do that. It just felt like very natural to me. I, I knew it was something I could do with music. I wasn't necessarily sure it would be guitar, but I knew music was something I was, I, I could do. And I'm, I'm very fortunate that my, my parents saw that and, and gave me the tools to explore that craft. Very, very thankful. And how, and how was that done? Was it just giving you a guitar? Or was it giving you lessons? It was all of the above. So I, I I asked my mom, I said, gosh, I'd like to learn how to play that. And I was about eight years old at the time. And she said, sure, you know, you got to learn notes and stuff first and scales, but I can show you how to play some chords. So she showed me a couple chords. And the next morning, I remember waking them up and I'm like, mom, song go like this. And I played it. And both of my parents were like, whoa, okay, kid needs lessons. So we went to the local guitar center. And I don't know if they do this anymore, but there was a wall full of business cards and you know posters for shows and all that stuff. And my mom, she's so funny. She just, she looked at the wall and she goes, that one. I don't know why that, that business card is calling to me, but that person. And he was my guitar teacher for you know, 10 years. So, <laughs> so if I understand this correctly, I think both your parents listened to a lot of music. So music yes. was in the house. Yes. Music was in the house. So at that age, what are you listening to? What music is interesting you? And did you want to play that on the guitar or is that something completely separate? There was a lot of Beatles that was on. My mom was a big Beatles fan. My dad very much into Stevie Ray Vaughan. So that was, that was on quite a bit. I remember that. <laughs> playing um and my mom is from detroit so a lot of the the rock the bob seeger led zeppelin aerosmith uh that kind of stuff was on quite a bit so i i got a, a great variety of music you know from the singer songwriter stuff to the beatles to the stones to heavier music like led zeppelin and and you know bad company so so that classic rock was on a lot and i remember being a kid in school, you know, fourth or fifth grade and being teased about listening to the Beatles. You know, everyone else is listening to the Spice Girls and pop music and stuff. I'm like, well, I like Rubber Soul and I think it's a great album, you know? 
Um, and that's what I wanted to play. And that was, those were the first couple songs, you know, I was learning on guitar. And then as I get older, I, I, I live here in Los Angeles and grew up here. So listening to K-Rock was incredibly influential to me as a player, as a musician, honing in on, on the craft at that age, which I think is just so malleable. And, and you're just, you're like a sponge and just music and this osmosis that happens when, when you're listening to all sorts of stuff. Um, so, so the nineties rock, that's where that really came in the Pearl Jam, the Incubus, the Alice in Chains and, and, and that sort of, you know, Sublime was big cause they're a big LA band too. And listening to a lot of that. So I, I had the classic rock and I had the, 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 the 90s rock stuff. It wasn't until later, I'd say till you know, my later years in, in college where I really got introduced to blues was through John Mayer's Continuum album that came out. I believe I was a senior in high school when that album came out. And I remember listening to it and just being completely enamored and going, wow, okay, I need to step up my game in playing if I'm going to get serious. That album for me was a gateway to going back to my dad and like, wait, tell me more about Stevie Ray Vaughan and who's, who's Rory Gallagher and Wade, who's this guy, Muddy Waters, like, tell me about this stuff. And it was from there that, I, and I, I owe a lot to, to that album, that John Mayer album in, in, in me going and, and deep diving into the history of the blues and just being, co- falling completely in love with it. Like, wow okay so you can use a slide to make these kind of sounds oh yeah okay i remember hearing that on that zeppelin record oh okay and i can hear the influence on this stuff from muddy waters and helen wolf wolf wow that's really cool and just this web started being created in in the things that i loved and was being inspired by and even though they were all very different i was able to take the things i really liked and then hone in on on my sound as an artist and my guitar teacher would always tell me, he goes, I'm going to teach you how to do this stuff. But the one thing I don't want you to do is sound like me. I want you to sound like you and find out what it is that makes you sound like you. So a few questions come into mind. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's great. John Mayer is such a great player, and I don't know if he gets the recognition yes. that he deserves, just because of all the other PR stuff that probably didn't work in his favor. But an exceptional player. I find it interesting that that, album led you to the blues or further deeper into the blues because you wouldn't really consider him a blues player once again greatly influenced by the blues but you know it's not like you sit there and automatically think of muddy waters as soon as you hear him um right but but the other thing is you went to school for communication i believe what were you at that point yes was was music a career in music something that was something that you were aiming for or where did the school come in does the communication have anything to do with your ultimate goal of being a musician it's a great question it was a bit of a, a bit of a meandering <laughs> <laughs> that happened if i'm being completely honest it was a bit of meandering but i i i love being a student and just in life we are students and that's the way that i look at my playing i am never a master of anything i'm not I'm constantly a student and, and that's, that fire makes me just want to be better every day because I, 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 it's like, okay, I'm never going to be a master at anything, but I can constantly learn. And that is how I, I, I like to lead, you know, learning my craft is, is to be just humble in, in it. And I, I went to school. I love so much stuff. I just, I, I, I love, you know, watching 
people and, 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 and observing how people interact with one another. And I love how social media works and I'm just fascinated by so many different things. So I, I went to UCLA for communications with an emphasis in mass media. And I studied marketing and, and PR and even after college worked, um, you know, a nine to five doing PR and sales and, and, and marketing for, for a company. And I, I knew that music, I'm like, that's going to be a hobby. It's going to be a hobby. I love it. And it will never be, it will never not be a part of my life. And I'll just, you know, I'll do it on the side. That's how I paid for school. I gigged and taught, you know, <laughs> and, and that's how I, I, I paid my way through UCLA. But I, I, I was like, okay, it's not going to be a, a, a real time thing. You know, that's what I told myself. But that little voice was like, oh, maybe you never know, but maybe, but it was important to me to, to go to school. Cause again, I just love being a student and again, graduated, got my degree, got a job and it was everything I studied in college. And I was traveling all the time and, you know, working fairly close to home and was out of town every two to three weeks. And I was sitting at my desk one day and I'm like, gosh, I'm just not happy. I should feel fulfilled right now. This is everything I worked for, but I am not happy and something is missing here. And I really had to talk to myself and really dig deep and go, well, what's going to make you feel fulfilled? And it was pursuing, it was pursuing music full time. It, it, it just, that felt like the right thing. Like my body felt good when I came to that realization. I'm like, okay, is this scary and a not a sure thing? you know, but I, 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 I felt like it was the right decision and I knew it would work, but I knew it would take time and I had to build and be very particular about each step I took and be very smart about it. But I knew it would work. I knew it would be difficult, but I knew it would work. How much was music in your life while you're working full time? Like, were you still gigging with bands on a weekly basis? Was was music and still an everyday thing that you did after work? Or was it a little more separated than that? It was a little more separated. I was playing on a weekly basis. Like, I had a weekly gig that I still play to this day. Uh, I, I, I still had gigs, but I was never really fully present in it because I was just... So, and I was so busy with my job. I was constantly working and, you know, working the role of like three to four people at this job. It was, it was busy, but, and I wanted it to be, I, I wanted the music thing to be more a part of my life. Cause I could see my, I could feel myself withering away. I could feel it. And I didn't like it. So the other question that comes to mind was when you went to your dad and said, tell me more about these people. I'm curious as to how your dad looks or your parents, both of them look at, yeah. you know, they encourage you to play and they've been supportive and they got you the lessons. But when it comes down to, dad, I'm thinking of becoming a full-time musician. What are they thinking? You know, they thought I was a little crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I told them exactly what I told myself. I go, this is going to take some time. I know it's going to work. I need you to trust me. And they did. And I'm very, very grateful for that. Okay, so you know you're smart because you know that it's going to take some time. It's going to take some work. How do you know that? And what what is the actual plan of action? I just felt it in my bones. I can't describe it. 
I knew it would work. And there are different, like there's not one way to be successful in music. There's not like, this is what it means to be successful. We all have our different definition of what success is, whether it's in music or whatever we do. I knew I would be successful. And I'm the type of person, I'm very self-motivated and I'm very focused. And when I have my mind set on something, I will make it happen to the best of my ability. I will make it happen and say it doesn't work out. I know and I trust that the universe will give me a door that I couldn't even think of to walk through that will lead me on a path that may have been better than anything I could have thought of. Truly, that has happened in my life numerous times. So it's, it's that bit of giving into the universe too while being prepared and smart and you know, really focused on, on, on what you want to do and what you want to accomplish for your, you know, for your life and your journey, but leaving that little bit of, I'm going to give in. I think that's important. Well, I think, yeah. In in talking to a lot of musicians, I mean, I always ask if they've had a plan and most people don't. And most people, the most amazing things happen because of circumstances that they weren't planning but they just walked into the door and there it was and and they were just ready for that opportunity having said that so when you decide in your mind that this is what's going to make you happy this is going to require a lot of work and this is going to be difficult what's the first thing you do what's what do you plan what are the goals that you set for yourself what are the milestones that you're trying to achieve they were simple so it was okay, well, what can I, what can I get done in a day? And I literally with, I, I start there. Okay. What can I get done today? Well, I can practice on my craft that I can do. I can be a better musician. I can practice every day. Okay. That'll lead to good things. All right. Looking for bandmates. All right. Well, what is it? What does this look like? Okay. What do I want to do? Well, I'd love to play out. And I, I, I set these little goals. I would love to play once a week with an original band. So that was the big goal. Okay. And then I would go step back. I'm like, well, what do I need to do to make that happen? Okay. Well, I need to meet people. I need to go out and, and, you know, go to jam nights, go to open mic nights, meet other musicians and and find people that you click with. Cause that's so important in finding your tribe, I think is so, so massively important. So it was finding people to see like, all right, could, could, or are we like-minded? Do we have a similar work ethic? You know, these, these sorts of things. So I would go to open mic nights and audition for bands and those sorts of things. And it was, it was actually right before I, I, I took this, this, this nine to five job where I went on, went on Craigslist, which, which probably nowadays is not the best idea to do. I don't know. I guess it's kind of sketchy these days, but you know, you 10 years ago, it, it wasn't as bad. Anymore, I know. Right. Right. So, so I went on Craigslist and I'm like, you know, I want to find a band that is playing near where I live that gigs once a week, that is in a genre I am not comfortable in. And that was the big one, a genre I'm not comfortable in. So I could do the rock. Well, so what is, what <laughs> is the, the, the genre you were comfortable in and, and what are you expecting to find? What, what was that thing that wasn't you weren't comfortable in? 
it was country. It was country. I wasn't that, that the rock thing and the blues thing. Like, I'm like, all right, you know, I'm still learning, but that that's comfortable for me. Gosh, playing with a country band seems really interesting. And I bet I could learn a lot and get humbled very, very quickly in a band like this. I'm like, I'm going to audition for a country band. And I went online and I, I found one and it hit all of the bullet points that I wanted. I'm like, wow, this is great. <laughs> okay, let's go with this. Wait, how and much do you know about country music at this point? At this time, zero, zero. Okay. Nothing, nothing. And they were looking for a rhythm guitar player. And I'm like, I will start there. Because by playing rhythm, I, I, I'm very comfortable playing rhythm. I'm like, all right, it'll be a different way of, of establishing that pocket. But this will be really good for me because I know I can use this in a bunch of different stuff. So this will be good for me. So I, I, I auditioned and I, I got the gig. And I'm like, all right, well, they're not looking for a lead guitar player. But man, I'm going to listen to what he's doing and pick up some stuff and ask questions and all that. I'm a big, I love asking questions. How do you do this? How do you get that tone? Because it was so foreign to me. It was so, I didn't even own a telly at the time. <laughs> and you're joining a country band. And I'm joining a country band. I'm like, I didn't even join. I'm like, but I'm like, I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. And in that audition, the lead singer, her name was Jenny Pagliaro. And from there, it was, it was like we knew each other since high school. It was a weird thing. It's, it, we felt like kindred spirits. Even talking to her later on, she felt the same thing. Like we had just met. It's like, wow, I feel like I've known you a long time. And we hit it off right away, ended up getting the gig, and we played together in that band for a few months. And I decided to, to leave the band. I'm like, all right, just with life and stuff, it, it, it felt like time. It was, it was a couple months, and I, I, I learned some things. And, and during that time before I had, had left the band, we were, we were talking, and, and she's like, yeah, you know, I'm working on original music and all this stuff. And I remember in those conversations going, whatever she's a part of, I want to be a part of it too. How much are you writing on your own? What's the... At this time? Yeah. None. Not writing on my own at all. And at is all. that not one of those goals that you had, is to write your own music? It, not initially. I wanted to meet someone or like a group of people where we could write together because I didn't really know how to write songs at that time. This was very... I knew songs I liked. I knew sounds I liked. I knew like, wow, I like that kind of progression. That's really interesting. That's what I knew. And I knew with that bit of information, okay, I just need to hone in on now this new craft of songwriting that I know nothing about, but I would love to learn from people. So you have a connection with Jenny. And obviously mm -hmm. when you decide to leave, do you decide to start a band with her? Is that how? Okay. Yes. So she left a few months later. Um, cause what we had done is we had gone to her, her apartment. She's like, yeah, let's just rehearse some of the songs of the country band. And I think we both kind of knew like, oh, let's, let's just, let's, let's vibe with the, with the energy between each other as, as, as musicians to see if this is a good creative fit. And it, it very, it was very apparent very quickly that, oh, okay, there's a, there's a kindredness here that we, we should, we should explore and, 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 and as creative, you know, musical partners. And yeah, we started writing songs right away, <laughs> right away. It was very, it was very quick. We started writing songs I'm like, Oh, that's, that's pretty damn catchy. That's, uh huh. That's pretty cool. You know, the way we, the back and forth was just seamless. 
it was such a gift, such a gift. So how does that happen? I mean, if you hadn't written, how does it become an easy thing to work with this other person? Is it? I wish I could explain <laughs> it to you. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's just you're. I guess you're on the same wavelength with another person. I really can't answer that question. I don't know. It just felt very honest and very right. I mean, it sounds like it came easy to you and working with her and writing songs. And I just don't understand because I think writing songs is so difficult. And I, you know, I've never done it, so I wouldn't know, but I, I would imagine that it's a difficult thing to do. And to write a good song is even more difficult. But obviously something was there. Something was there. And I don't think either of us could have described it. It was just a kindred spirit. And just on that same creative wavelength, I really, it was always, you know, and some songs were trickier than others to write, but we would always get to the end point together. Either one of us kind of did a little nudge that helped the other one get to, oh, okay, here's how we complete that circle. Here's that, that, that chord progression. Like a lot of times what would happen with us is one of us would come up with an initial idea. So whether it was a melody that Jenny thought of, or I would come with a chord progression, one of us would start with that. And then we would come together and it was like solving a puzzle, really. And, or like, you know, Michelangelo said, you kind of chip away at the marble and then you uncover what was underneath the marble. So it, it always, at least from my perspective, I can't speak for her, but it, it always felt like that where we were just slowly chipping away and we were just so on that same wavelength with with doing it so when you start this process of writing together and then each one of you bring ideas are you now motivated to work on songs on your own all the time like does that put you on a path to becoming more of a writer and inspired with everything? absolutely because jenny was such she was really great with words and melody. She was that was inspiring to me to to watch her her process. It was it was so cool to see it up close. Like, you know, you watch documentaries and you see people talk, "Oh yeah, I wrote this song and I did this." But seeing it in person was so inspiring to me and so in inspiring to me still thinking about those times. It's very inspiring and seeing her process and and again, we all have a different process in 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 songwriting. And it was it was just a really cool thing to see and inspired me to want to you know help and to to you know do this as a team because we really wrote as a team we would come with separate ideas but then we would blend them together um you, you mentioned that her yeah. strength was melodies and words what was your strength yeah. what did you bring to the table i Obviously, you know, musician. So I'm going to bring like a cool progression and 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 then stuff like that. And and I was always like, I would always have a melody in my head, but I was always curious to hear what hers was. You know, I was always curious, like, okay, this is how I'm interpreting this, but I'd be really curious to see how she's interpreting this. And it was fun to see. I'm like, gosh, like she'd come up with a melody. I'm like, I would have never thought of that. That is really, really interesting. Uh, in particular, there's a song that we wrote. It was called Echoes in Silence. And we, we named our second or our, our, our last album after that song. That was really, that song in particular was the first song. Because we had written, you know, an album previously 
along with our, our producer, Michael Lyons, who's just such a mentor to both of us and just an all-around wonderful human. But that song, Echoes in Silence in particular, was the first one where we're just like, oh, okay. Now, you know, playing together for a few years, we're really starting to see that, that gel happen and that creating of our sound. Because that first album, we were starting to still get to know each other. The songs were still catchy and, and all of that. But it was that second album we really started to see, like, okay, this the, the, that that gel is, is is happening. That cementing of each of the perspectives on these songs is coming together. And and not just your opinion, but the fact that the Rolling Stone magazine and Billboard both kind of featured your songs, I guess, was yes. a positive response to where the band was at at that point. Yeah, that was just such a wonderful. That was really wonderful to, to, to get. Not that I, not that we sought that validation, but man, was it so cool to, to, to read those words from such a pristine outlet, such as Rolling Stone and Billboard. That was really great. It was really special. It was really special. The timing of it was bittersweet, mm -hmm. but it was, it was special nonetheless. So the timing was bittersweet because you lost your partner. Was she yeah. able to see that recognition yes okay. so she so that was released on it was march 25th that that write-up came out about fast as i can in, in rolling stone and then jenny died the next day oh it's a great song and what a great video thank you thank you, you. know and it speaks yeah. volumes to who she who she was I think that she fought like hell. She fought like hell. And, and, and I say this and, and think it all the time. She is my life's greatest teacher, greatest teacher in life. Hands down. Yeah. I, I owe a lot to her. I can imagine. Um, you released a new album, you're getting recognition. You lose your partner, which is devastating. You decide that you're going to step away from music for a while. You travel. I needed time. Yeah, which makes total I sense. I did, because she was like my sister. She was like my sister. And it was, that that was a really difficult time, because you, you, it's it's just, it's it's hard to say goodbye to someone. She was battling this for a little while, right? Yeah, it was, it was a, for a few years. It was a, it was a, yeah, her battle with, with breast cancer. And it was, it, she was diagnosed like two and a half months after we released our first album, she was diagnosed. Wow. So you step away from music, you decide to travel a bit. Tell me about that journey and what that did for you. I, I needed time. It was heavy. For sure. <laughs> it was heavy. It was a lot of everything. You know, I, I lost a friend. I lost a sister. I lost a, a creative partner. Um, I lost a bandmate. Big chunk of my life was was gone in just a blink. And that was it. That person and that light was gone. And I I needed time to process and to grieve. And I I I went to and I'm very open about talking to this. I I went to grief therapy for you know the better part of a year. And you know, it, these, these conversations were incredibly, incredibly just so, so needed for my soul and my body. 
because this was heavy. I'd never dealt with anything like this. And I knew that I had life to live and that I needed help to help me get there, you know, and however much time it took, I was ready. I was prepared. I knew I needed to take care of myself. And, you know, with those conversations I had with, with my therapist, she goes, you know, you love to travel, go travel, go see things and go just be somewhere else. And that felt really, that felt like the right move. And I'm, I'm a big person. I, I listen to my gut and my intuition with things. And my gut is like, you need to go do that. So this was 2019. So this started around March, 2019. And I traveled, I had to get out of LA because it was one of those things when someone dies and you look around, like everything reminds you of them. And it is, it's just hard. <laughs> it's just really hard. And I went, one of my best friends lives in Australia and I called her. I'm like, Hey, can I come stay with you for a while? And she's like, you stay as long as you need. You come and stay here. So I hopped on a plane and I stayed there for a long time. And you know, <laughs> I have awesome friends. She was so great. I'm like, can I stay for like three weeks? Yes. Just, just, get, we'll, we'll go and we'll just have a good time, you know? And just, and she's like, you just do what you need to do and I'm here for you. And I, I will always be so grateful to her for that. And I went to New York to visit friends. It was really just being around people that I loved and being, I just, I needed to receive that. I needed that. And I'm so grateful to all my friends who who opened their, their their homes to me and, you know, let me process everything. So grateful. So, so grateful. And went to Italy to visit family, went to, went to Paris to visit family, just to, to feel grounded again, because I felt just, I was so, I was just floating. I was just floating in grief and just what's, the future look like? I have no idea. Cause we were just, Jenny and I worked so hard to build, you know, what we built together creatively in this, and to have it be gone and especially you know, getting written up in Rolling Stone. And then the next day she's gone. It, it that was just, it was such, it, it makes me so appreciate life and every day that I have a heart that beats and I don't need to tell it to and have legs that work and a body that works and is healthy. I'm just so grateful for all the little things. I'm so, I'm like, really, I, I live such a grateful life, truly, truly. And that's one of the things that she really taught me and having had that time to go and travel and to really live life. So grateful for it. I'm so grateful so for it. What is music to you at that point? Do you just, do you even pick up the guitar? Do you, I mean, I, you know, for a lot of people, it's an escape or whatever, but I can imagine even picking up the guitar couldn't have been easy at that point. Oh, it was incredibly difficult. First couple of months in particular, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. And I had gigs and I'm like, guys, I just can't right now. And everyone was like, yep, take all the time you need. No problem. You know, I had students. I'm like, guys, I just can't right now. I can't do it. Everyone was just so wonderful. And they're like, please do what you need to do. I said, I know I'll be back. I just need a little time. And everyone was, everyone in my life was just so, so wonderful and understanding about that. It was hard. It was hard. Do you remember the time when, when you picked up the guitar and, and something felt different again? Like, do you had that passion again? The one, and I can so pinpoint this moment. It wasn't until almost a year later, to be completely honest with you. 
it felt like the right time I was, um, I was visiting family and I was just sitting at my grandmother's house and I'm like, gosh, it feels like it's time again. And it was the first time I thought of that. And this was around November of that year. I'm like, it feels like it's time to really play out again. And I called some friends of mine. I'm like, hey, let's just go play at a dive bar here in LA. Nothing crazy. You know, I can't pay you a lot of money. It's like, but let's just get together and play. It just, it feels like the right time to me. And we, we did that gig and I'm like, let's call each other the Petrilli players. I don't know. I can't think of anything better than that right now. <laughs> I'm like, I'll worry about a name later. It's fine. And I'm like, let's just play some of my favorite covers. Like, let's just get together and play. And we did. And it felt so good. That was my first gig back. Really? It was my first gig back almost a year later. And it felt so good. And I was driving home. I'm like, ah, okay, that was that little break in the seal I needed. And it felt really good. And that was the first time I sang lead with a band ever, which was frightening. So frightening. Yeah, that was never a goal of yours, to be a leader. Not really. Not really, to be totally honest with you. I was, one of my goals was like, all right, you know, I'll be a, you know, a guitar for hire. I, I, I never thought to lead a band to be the sole leader of a band and it wasn't until then I'm like oh I can do this and I got back to that time when I was a kid watching my mom like oh I can do this I felt that again that was the first time I felt that in a very long time I'm like oh this is new and again I don't know how it's gonna work but I know it will and it's gonna take some work but I know I can do it and the process started again. So <clears throat> if my math is correct, and it's often not, but does that <laughs> not take us to like March of 2020? It sure does. <laughs> if I remember, <laughs> something happened around there. So Something happened? Yeah. So all of a sudden you feel inspired yet again. You see a bit yeah. of a light and you think, okay, we want to do this. And then this pandemic happens. Does that, yep. how does that affect you? I'll tell you what, and I'm being completely honest here. That time at home was incredibly vital to creating Angela Petrilli players in that EP and the songs on that EP. I didn't realize, I'm like, wow, I did a lot of traveling. And now I'm grounded with this new sense of, of life, self, whatever you want to call it. Okay, so now I'm at home. Huh. Let's try out that songwriting thing. I'm curious. That time at home for me was super important. And all these songs of the EP were written during that time. All of them. All of them were written during that time. I had that new perspective on life. And I'm like, huh, I'm just going to write. Let's see what happens. I'm not going to edit myself too much. Let's see what comes out. I'm curious. Let's just see. It was really an exploration and, and, and curiosity. I was chasing the curiosity. That's what that was. And it was, it was quite a journey. It was a lot of fun. I had a lot more fun than I thought I would. Like, huh, okay, I can kind of do this. And, and, and writing those songs, to me, that was, again, one of my, that was, that was a goal for this Patrulli Players. I'm like, all right, original music time. Can I do this myself? Can I do this all by myself? That was, that was for me. Like, these songs were for me. And to see if I could do it. And it was, it was a beautiful 
it was a beautiful process that I'm really, really grateful for. Really grateful for it. Way back when, when your guitar teacher said, don't be me, be yourself. At what point, and I'm not sure if you've gotten there yet, but at what point did you think you were you, that you had your own sound, you had your own music? That's a good question. The song that I think of immediately, and again, kind of going with the gut feeling here, was the song, The Voices. I had written the lyrics first, and that was new. I'd never written lyrics first before. Because with Roses and Cigarettes, I was always like, okay, cool, here's a chord progression. I wrote a chorus for one of the songs um, on the first album, but that was it. And I'm like, huh, this song, the voice, that's, these are really, and again, it was very like poetic. It wasn't, I wasn't, didn't set my mind on, I'm writing a song today. It was, it ended up being a very poetic, just kind of freeform thing. And I'm like, wow, this, this sounds like a conversation. This is really interesting. And I don't want a lot of chords around this really like what the lyrics are saying here. This is a really interesting, kind of dark, little, you know, it's the optimist and the pessimist. And I remember bringing it to my guys after I'd written the chords and stuff. And we had a rehearsal. And I go, guys, I got one more. I go, I just want you to know that I'm very well adjusted. And I'm like a very happy person. <laughs> I go, a very happy person. But this was a really neat exploration in that pessimist optimist. We could say, you know, from, from watching the news during the pandemic and all that stuff, seem Things seem pretty dire a lot of times. It can be a little scary to the point where I had to turn off the news a lot. And that conversation, we've all had that angel and devil on the shoulder constantly. You can do this. No, you can't. Yes, you can. No, you can't. That was that conversation in the song. And it just came out. It just came out. I'm like, wow, this is, this is very, very interesting. And I want the music to match this too because there was that so ebb and flow, positive, negative, optimist, pessimist that I wanted the music to do the same thing. Didn't want a lot of chords, didn't want it busy, because I wanted people to listen to the words and tell the st like that story. The music helps with that. And it's got a bluesy sensibility, sort of. Mm -hmm. The chords, there's four chords in that song, that's it. It's A, G, C, and D, that's it. The dynamics of it. I wanted that conversation with the band to happen. And it so did, and I am so thankful. I, the guys in my band, they are like brothers to me. They are just fantastic musicians, and we all have that common goal of what's going to best serve the song. And man, do they nail it on every single one of these tunes on the EP. I am so grateful to them. So grateful to those guys. So for the EP, you did um, a crowdfunding campaign. Yeah. Did that response surprise you? How, with how quickly we raised the money, yes. <laughs> it was, I, I, you know, and I had done the math because I'm, I'm much of a planner. You can ask any of my bandmates. They, they will know that I, I, I like to plan and have a vision. They know this. Anyone who knows me, all my, my close friends, they, they know when I... I, I don't I, know I you and I can already tell. <laughs> I, you know, and I did, the, I, I did the math, you know, and I asked all of, I had my team in my head already. I want this person to work on this, 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 this. I want this person to do this. And I'm like, all right, I feel good with this budget. This should work. And if I can get 500, if I can raise $500 a day, we'll make it. 
And I was nervous. I was nervous. And in all honesty, I was very nervous about it. But I'm like, it'll happen. And again, going back to that gut, I don't know how, but it'll happen. And we raised, I had it, I had it set for 40 days. We raised 20 grand and 11. Wow. Cannot tell you how grateful I am for that. That crowdfunding campaign allowed me, allowed us to create something we are incredibly proud of. And we did it exactly how we wanted to exactly how we wanted to. We didn't pull any punches. We got it done exactly how we wanted to. I will forever be grateful to those 318 people who, who pledged to that campaign because we created something we're so proud of, so proud of. Because this is the next phase. Because Roses and Cigarettes was a very beautiful time in my life. Very beautiful time in my life. A bittersweet time in my life, but it brought me a lot of good. And it brought me a lot of, of life lessons and things that I will carry with me for the rest of my life. And this new phase, you know, it, it's, I don't want to say, it, it, it came from, you know, some, something that was very sad and very bittersweet. And I, I'm an optimistic person. You know, I, I always look at the silver lining of things. Um, you know, living life is, is a gift. It's a gift. And I've seen it firsthand. It's a gift. And this EP celebrates the, 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 the joy, but also the sadness of life too, because that is life. Life is not always happy and life is not always sad either. And this music truly encapsulates life. And it's okay to be happy. It's okay to be sad too. But the other thing that you do is your internet presence. So back in 2015, I believe you said, you started doing mm -hmm. lessons for people. How did that come about? How did you decide that I want to use Facebook or YouTube to teach people how to play music and get my name out there? It's a little bit of a long story, but I'll, I'll try to abridge it the best I can. Um, in After... Jenny was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2015. Uh, we weren't sure, you know, if the band was going to continue. Um, I knew music was a, a big part of my life. And I created my, it, it started with the Instagram page with Angela Petrilli Music. At that time, Instagram had 30 second, you know, videos that you could post. And I'm like, gosh, this will keep me motivated, keep me honed in on my craft while Jenny heals and does what she needs to do to get healthy. And I want to be, where it initially started was I just want to be playing music every day because I was really sad too when that happened. It was a shock. It was horrible. Mm -hmm. It was horrible. And I wanted something that would keep me happy every day. I'm like, oh, this will, this will keep me motivated and this will be good. And when, she's, when she feels better, I'll be ready. And I've been playing and I'll be ready. And it turned into this really beautiful thing that I had no idea. I, I, again, I did that Instagram page for me. I did it for me just so I could be playing every day. And it turned into, it turned into something else. I'll tell you that it turned into something else. I could have never thought of people following and oh my gosh. And having people reach out and, and, you know, I, people who are her parents of kids and, and saying, Hey, we watch your videos before we put our kids to bed and they can't wait to play music like you. And, 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 and being, being a figure of 
letting people know that they can play music and if they work hard and they can do it. And that's what, that's what that was. And that's, that's how it started. And, and I'm really thankful for everyone who's been on the journey with me through that, that Instagram page. It's, it's been great. And I, and a lot of those people who follow me there help support the Kickstarter. And again, massively grateful, but that allowed a lot of work to come my way, which was, which was very beautiful. And again, very grateful for that. Um, the, the teaching lessons didn't start and they they started during covid and my my friends at Fishman Transducers in Andover Massachusetts they said hey you know we want to do a live stream with you every week and i remember you know being on that call and having a very cool straight face and in my brain i'm like oh my god this is so scary <laughs> i'm like this is frightening but i have made moves in my life that have absolutely scared me and made me uncomfortable but they have always worked out. And initially when they came out, they came to me with that proposal. I'm like, gosh, I don't know if I could do it. I mean, was the idea basically break down a song for me and just take each part? They left that up to me. They said, we just want you to be you and you can do whatever you want. We just want you to have a show for an hour a week. So they let me do whatever I wanted. And I, you know, and I was thinking about my gosh, I've never seen a live lesson you see some of the quick ones that are like 12 minutes and they're fantastic. There are some fabulous teachers on YouTube, some fabulous guitar teachers and music teachers. Great stuff. It's a wonderful tool. And at that time, I was thinking about, okay, I've got the Instagram thing like on lock as, as, as far as, you know, having a presence and, and building a brand and all that. I'm like, okay, that's, it's, it's in movement. This is good. And YouTube was always in the back of my mind. I'm like, Angela, you got to get that moving. You know, I've done videos with Norman's Rare Guitars and people know me from the Norman's Rare Guitars website or the YouTube channel and all of that. But I'm like, "Ah, I got to build my own thing. I just don't know yet. And again, I knew it would happen, but I was waiting for the right opportunity, perhaps when I was ready and the right thing that felt right to me. And I had never, I'd never seen a live, um, a live lesson. And to me, those riff rundowns, that's my way of giving back. That's how I look at those lessons to me, because music has been so incredibly good to me. City of Los Angeles has been so good to me. Uh, colleagues, people I work with have been so incredibly wonderful to me. That riff rundown is my way of giving back. Like I have this gift of music and I cannot take it with me when I go. I am borrowing it. As far as I'm concerned, this music thing, I'm borrowing it. Because when I go, it's not coming with me. So if I can leave an if I can leave an imprint of, of stuff that I know and help people get to where they need to go in their musical journey, wonderful. How long did it take for it to become comfortable? When did you know that this is about a year? Okay. <laughs> about a year. Because I the playing thing doesn't bother me. Playing thing, all right, I can show you how to do this. I've been teaching for years. The thing that freaks me out is the oh no, my interface doesn't work and why is the microphone not working? That stuff I don't like because that stuff's kind of out of my control. I'm getting better at not getting as freaked out about it. Um, but it's it's that stuff that that, that freaks me out. It's the, the yeah, making sure the, 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 making sure all the technology works. How much effort goes into each lesson? I mean, I know you know these songs, but it's not like if you don't do it well, you're not going to be a good teacher. So obviously some right. preparation goes into it. 
Oh, absolutely. Like, I've actually got one of my charts like right here that I'm looking at for my lesson I did uh, yesterday. I, I write out a chart. I listen. I watch live versions of said musicians playing this song. So you can get an idea. Oh, okay. So they grip that chord like this, not like this. Oh, good to know. Okay. And then I think about too, okay, is this a beginner level? Is this an intermediate? Is this more of an advanced? Is this in a cool open tuning? What kind of techniques are we going to be talking about? It's, I've gotten to the point now where I could be like, okay, that'll take me about 20 minutes to, to explain. This will take me about five. And I have an ongoing list because sometimes I have to pre-record stuff if I'm out of town, if I'm gigging. And those lessons are a half hour, the pre-recorded ones. And the live ones are an hour. So I have a list of, yeah, that song will take me a half hour to teach. That song will definitely take me an hour, maybe even a little bit longer. So I have that ongoing list and I'm, I'm thinking, you know, and I like to keep it to songs that I like, songs that I play that I like. I, I don't, I won't teach a song that I don't like. With good reason. I, I mean, I think that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, because then, because then the, the person, the student, I don't know, like, you know will, will, will be like, oh yeah, she's not into this one. And they can tell. So it's important to me, if I am going to exude my, my excitement and love for music, it's got to be through songs that I like that have inspired me as a player. That's important to me. Because if I don't pick those songs, you can immediately tell. Because if someone's not authentic, you can always tell. Do you consider yourself a guitar player above and beyond a composer, above and beyond a singer? Or which comes, or do you consider, you don't consider it either, you're just a musician? I'm a musician. I'm a musician. I'm a music appreciator. I'm a student. Probably first and foremost, I am a student of the craft. That's what I am, first. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so um, tell me about what happens next. Now, so you've just released the, the EP. What are the next milestones? What are your next goals? You know, I'd, I'd love to, I'd love to play, you know, like short run tours would be very cool. You know, I'd love to play a couple weeks in Texas. Okay. Maybe a week or two on the East coast, that kind of stuff I would love to do uh, on my, you know, big goal list. Man, there are some bands I would love to tour with. You know, some bands that are incredibly inspiring to me that I would love to, to share a bill with. Um, you know, I just love for people to hear the music. I'd love to hear some of these tunes on a, on a TV show. I don't know, I'm, I'm just so open to so many different things, but I, I, I would love to, I'd love to play outside of California. That would be really fun. The opportunity arises love to do that thank you so much for doing this i know it was short notice and you know i really appreciate getting to know you a bit. it's an absolute pleasure thank you so much for reaching this was such a fun conversation but thank you for your wonderful questions this was so fun well i you know as soon as steve contacted me i just thought this is somebody i would like to get to know and you've led an interesting life and continue to do so and um i, I love the new songs and best of luck with the new ep Thank you very, very, very much.